This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed, and this particular episode is the Clone Wars Report. <laughs> what would normally be triumphant horns is instead 
evil laughter, which really makes sense uh, for the arc that we're going to talk about. We're calling this one Maul Takes Mandalore. Like the Muppets Take Manhattan, but much, much darker, I think. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and the person making the great laughter is Ken Knapsack. And also laughing at the Muppets Take Manhattan, my favorite Muppets movie growing up. Uh, <laughs> just love that one. Love that one. It was a good one. I don't normally uh, think that there should be kind of like uh, uh, crossovers between Star Wars and in the real world, but I'd watch a parody <laughs> called Mall Takes Manhattan. <laughs> uh, you know, essentially what we got here. I love this. Yes, love this thing. <laughs> just very mad about tourists and the price of hot dogs. Just making mm-hmm. Mall furious. Furious. Uh, Anyway, the episodes in this arc that we will be discussing are Season 5, Episode 1, Revival, written by Chris Collins and directed by Stuart Lee. Season 5, then Episode 14, Eminence, written by Chris Collins and directed by Kyle Dunleavy. Season 5, Episode 15, Shades of Reason, written by Chris Collins and directed by Bosco Eng. Season 5, Episode 16, The Lawless, written by Chris Collins and directed by Brian Kalen O'Connell. That really seems to be the shape of these big arcs in Season 5, same writer for all of them and then different directors. Uh, Ken, before we get into the summary, uh, you have any any big picture thoughts or emotions that you want to get out of the way before we dive into the summary? I mean, the words are wow and whoa and cool. I mean, this is one of the biggest arcs in Clone Wars. It's the one I think people remember, particularly the episode The Lawless, right? Uh, that's up there for maybe best in the show. So much stuff in there. And you think, you think you have it all in your brain. Oh, I remember this arc. Of course I remember this arc. And then you get there and there's so many little details that just make it amazing, even more amazing uh, than you thought and remembered. So, so happy to just be celebrating this one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Lawless, I think, is up there, uh, you know, in contention for one of the best uh, individual episodes of Clone Wars. For me, this whole arc really is the like, does that happen in this arc too? Does that happen in this arc too? Uh, Yeah, so it's so great. Uh, I was trying to think of uh, capture the way it made me feel when I first saw it. We'll talk more about this. But I think it was like, it was so good, I felt guilt. (laughs) Mm. Like, um, Like an almost guilt response. Like, it was like ice cream in the morning. Like, this... This isn't allowed, right, to have something be this good, <laughs> uh, which maybe a process why uh, really good things make me feel guilty. That's a different conversation. A different podcast. Different podcast, but that was definitely my reaction. So I was really happy to go into this uh, again with kind of uh, the way we're looking at it with a critical eye, enjoying all the moments, but also looking at the big picture ideas. So can't wait to dive in. So let's do the summary. I failed to keep it short because so mm. much happens in this arc uh so many key moments key players uh so let's dive into the summary are you ready ken i am ready this needs to be long should be long (laughs) we'll see if you say that afterward here we go (laughs) maul strikes back seeking to regain his power former sith apprentice darth maul sets out with his brother savage opress to build a criminal empire Maul knows the Jedi will hunt him and he must build up his numbers to face them. Savage hopes to work together as brothers, but Maul quickly beats him in a fight, teaching Savage the true way of the Sith. There are no equals, only a master and an apprentice, and Maul is the master. The tortured brothers attack one of Hondo's pirate ships and terrorize the pirates into betraying Hondo. Meanwhile, Jedi Masters Obi-Wan Kenobi and Adi Galia are on the brothers' trail. They observe Maul and his new pirate recruits advancing on Hondo's base on Florum. Despite their complicated history, Kenobi agrees to help Hondo and defeat the Sith. 
As the rival factions of Hondo's pirates blast away at one another, Kenobi and Galia engage in a deadly duel with Maul and Savage. Adi Galia is brutally murdered by Savage. Kenobi and Hondo retreat into the ruins of Hondo's base, which was recently destroyed by Separatist bombardment. Kenobi draws the Sith away, fighting both. He repeatedly kicks Savage's leg, weakening him, then severs Savage's arm. Maul force pushes Kenobi away and runs to escape with his wounded brother, but Hondo has reconciled with his mutinous men, sparing their lives and bonding over their shared passion. Profit. They race to raid Maul's ship of its riches, blasting as Maul, at Maul as he runs. They blow apart one of Maul's large, clawed robot legs. The two brothers make it to their ship and launch away in the escape pod before the ship crashes to the ground, spilling its bounty. Kenobi reports to the Jedi and Chancellor Palpatine. He fears Maul survived and seeks to unite the criminal underworld. He's told Maul is no threat and his focus is needed fighting the Clone War. But Kenobi is immediately proven correct. Near death, Maul and Savage are rescued by another enemy of Kenobi, Pre Vizsla and the Death Watch. They are taken to the swamp moon of Zanbar. Savage is given a new mechanical arm. Maul is fitted with his third set of robotic legs, finally ending up with slim, elegant yet deadly gams. Yes, deadly mm. gams. Maul and Pre Vizsla strike a deal. They will work together to assemble an army, retake Mandalore, and wreak terrible vengeance on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Despite their similar pasts and aligned goals, both sides plan to betray the other. Maul and the Death Watch then kill, threaten, and cajole major crime families, the Black Sun and the Pikes, into joining their collective. They travel to Nel Hutta to demand control of Hut space, but the Hut Council fights back with a team of bounty hunters. A massive battle ensues. The bounty hunters retreat. Arub the Hut is slaughtered, and Maul and his army storm Jabba's palace. Maul offers the mighty Jabba to submit or suffer, and Jabba selects submission. With the Shadow Collective complete, Maul makes a new plan. The Crime Lords attack vital targets in the Mandalore capital city of Sundari. The Death Watch appears to swoop in and defeat the Crime Lords. They save the people of Mandalore, who then revolt against Duchess Satine's pacifist rule. Pre Vizsla is installed as the puppet leader of Mandalore, but Maul will wield the true power, using Mandalore as a base for his new criminal underworld. Mandalore is also the leader of 2,000 neutral systems. Their combined force can potentially overwhelm the Separatists and the Republic, creating the possibility of true galactic dominance. Mm. But Pre Vizsla springs his trap, arresting Maul. Maul and Savage easily escape prison and pick a new puppet leader, the traitorous Almec, who was imprisoned by Satine for trading on the black market and accidentally killing children with poisoned tea. Believing a soldier's honor is his weakness, Maul challenges Pre Vizsla to a duel. After a punishing and cool battle, Maul seizes the Darksaber, and with one stroke, Pre Vizsla's head is split from his shoulders. The Death Watch members are also split. Some pledge their loyalty to the victorious combatant Maul, but a faction led by Bo Katan rebels, believing an outsider like Maul must never leave Mandalore. Elmec lies to the people, saying Satine murdered Pre Vizsla, but Satine is not without her allies. She is rescued from prison by her nephew. Corky and mm. Bo-Katan's splinter group. Maul allows them to almost escape, knowing Satine will call her old ally and star-crossed lover Obi-Wan Kenobi for assistance. Satine is recaptured, but the call for help reaches the Jedi Council. With no evidence of Maul's involvement, Kyadi Mundi sees it as an internal matter of Mandalore. Yoda feels the Jedi cannot act without the approval of the Senate. Knowing the answer will be no, a rebellious Obi-Wan borrows Anakin's beat-up old spice freighter, the Twilight, and flies to Mandalore alone. He breaks Satine out of prison, but the two are captured and brought before Maul. Hoping to break Kenobi's spirit, Maul brutally murders Satine. He leaves Obi-Wan alive, wanting him to feel his pain. With her dying breath, Satine expresses her undying love for Obi-Wan 
A heartbroken Obi-Wan is rescued by Bo-Katan. She sends Kenobi away, hoping he will send the Republic army to depose Maul. Uh, Kenobi in- intuits the truth. Bo-Katan is Satine's sister, a tragedy that the two siblings found their alliance too late. Meanwhile, Chancellor Palpatine senses Maul's rising power. He travels to Mandalore in his true Sith Lord identity as Darth Sidious. Maul grovels and lies, claiming he built this empire to return to Sidious's side. Angered, Sidious attacks. A flurry of force chokes, pushes, and spinning crimson blades ensues. Sidious kills Savage Press once and for all, and as Maul mourns over his brother's body, Sidious reminds Maul of the true reality of the Sith. There can be only two, a master and an apprentice, and Maul is neither. Sidious spares Maul's life, telling him he has another use for him. Sidious cackles as Sith lightning cracks from his bent fingers. Maul's screams echo out in the dark Mandalore night, and they all lived happily ever after, except for the many, many people who died. The end. <laughs> it's truly a happy ending in Star Wars, right? Yeah, one of the best, one of the best. <laughs> it's one of the most brutal arcs. I, I put it in our canon section, and I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss it, but I just like, this This arc needs an in-memoriam for major characters. You're absolutely right. And I think your summary highlighted one of the, the best things about these four episodes. No Clone Wars episode has chuff or wasted scenes or anything like that. No plot fillers, no, you know, anything, anything like that. But these four episodes, every scene packs a punch. There's so much going on, so much story in every beat. So I think that summary was almost too short, sir. <laughs> uh, all right i'll work on a longer one for uh, the next time uh, when we do clone wars report uh two uh 20 years from now or something what do we think now all right let's get into this what was your overall reaction to this arc love it like it struggle with it uh, often we compare our reactions to our initial viewings uh, what do you got i this whole arc can be summarized by one one thought lots of ships flying and landing that's what this whole arc is about right now um man do we spend some time watching ships fly in and land uh, a, a felony and clone wars trade as, as we've talked about before yeah they love uh, a good yeah. ship landing never cheated <laughs> good ship landing indeed now my overall reaction echoing what i said up top is just i love it this is the uh, over the years when people would ask me about the clone wars and we've, we've said there's so many episodes there's so many characters so many beats sometimes it does kind of all mesh into one memory for me, but mm-hmm. this is one of the arcs, uh, particularly the lawless, like we said, it just jumps out and I know I can talk about it. I know I can remember it. It, it. It's just so good. And it's also weird. You know, we've been tracking when these episodes originally aired. We're, we're a few months past the sale. Now this mm. is January, 2013. So this is in a weird era. And I was trying to remember my reaction to these episodes during that time. I almost think I was overlooking the clone wars already. Because I was looking towards new content, new movies, and we hadn't got to the great April uh, 2014 canon switch and confirming that this was uh, still going to stand as canon, of course. So it's a weird time, but a good time. And this was our Star Wars at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, obviously you, you did enjoy it at the time, but you were in that weird, like, you know, is this, is this telling us where Star Wars is going or is this kind of already in the rearview mirror? Yeah, I remember not really knowing, and I remember not having a ton of conversations about these episodes with my Star Wars fans, uh, friends who were fans of the Clone Wars at the time. You know, uh, it wasn't like, oh my God, did you did you see Sidious and everything? And it's like, it's kind of crazy to think that I might have overlooked it, but which just speaks to the excitement of the sale at the time and the great unknown of the movies and, and yeah. the content to, still to come. 
That makes so much sense. And that I always love hearing what your experience was watching them as they came out. Uh, because as I've said many times, I saw the movie and I had some problems with it. I now love the movie. Uh, didn't have cable, never watched it. And one of the, I started hearing from friends, like, it's actually really good. And I had that kind of like, I got to get caught up. Uh, but then it was really this arc uh, or or the theoretical existence of this arc that made me go like, this is a priority. I saw mm-hmm. that Kenobi and Maul two-pack at Target. And I was like, what? That's how I found <laughs> out Maul was back, was seeing the action figure. <laughs> yeah. Being like, okay, I got to I gotta know what this is about. And I've mentioned many times on the Clone Wars report of enjoying episodes, but kind of speed watching, binging to be like, where's the Maul Kenobi fight? Where's, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And when I finally got to this, uh, and I'm watching it and it, like in particular, the fight between Maul and Pre Vizsla, where it's like, it's a Boba Fett guy with a, you know, mm-hmm. dark saber fighting <laughs> Darth Maul. Like, why aren't there billboards about this? Why aren't there songs? Why aren't there people out on the street screaming about this? I think for me, you know, your perspective about when it aired helps me because I think this was so what fans of our generation were screaming for yeah. during the prequel era. Right. Why isn't there stuff like this um, that I was just like, I, I can't believe this exists and it's so good, you know, and then Sidious, like Sidious leaves the planet with two blades. Oh, you like, and then, yeah. and then, you know, anyway, so I, I loved it yeah. at the time. I was extremely happy to revisit it for this. I, I think it remains one of my favorite arcs. I think it's got that, that crucial defining Kenobi moment where he is not going to break, even though he's utterly devastated about this, cruel tragedy that yeah. has happened uh there's just there is a ton of action right if you are in in it mm-hmm. in star wars to enjoy the action this arc is a treat uh there's violence there's major character deaths heartbreaking ta- tragedy but uh, all of this arc for me ken is there's never a moment where it feels like like the action is cool right but mm-hmm. it never ever gets away from all of the action is in service to this story that's like an essay on the rot of the dark side and on like the tragedy of uh, of what this, these kind of choices will bring to you. And we'll, we'll talk about that more, um, mm-hmm. obviously, when we dive into the big themes. But it felt like I can really enjoy the sort of the thrill and the action because the tone is always none of these fights should have happened. You're like, you know, like right. it, that that feeling is so great. And then uh there i continue to just enjoy it because the just absurd amount of lore and canon connections right like oh yeah the 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 major mandalore history how it ties to you know the mandalorian show that's going on right now seeing sidious leave his seat of power this you know incredible moment uh for kenobi a scene that features dengar jabba and darth maul at the same time like Imagine being told that would exist in 1999. Like, eventually, you're going to see a scene with Darth Maul, Jabba the Hutt, and Dengar all there. Like, yeah. it still just blows my mind that this arc exists. It, it made me think of uh, Dengar and Empire. Like, someone asked the guy, he's seen, he's seen Maul. He's talked to Maul. <laughs> like, he's fired <laughs> up on Maul. That Dengar's got a lot of uh, a lot of secrets in his head there that we didn't know yet. Uh, yeah, no, you're 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 so right. Uh, the, the action is so purposeful all the way through. And talking about when this aired, going back to reviewing the D Squad last week, we got a great response to the episode. Stephen Stanton kind of highlighted our episode. A lot of people, I enjoyed Joseph. A lot of people tweeting, going, "Wait, D Squad was controversial. Who doesn't like yeah. Weaver?" And some of it might be a little jokey, but some of it I thought was very true. But this goes going back to the, when this aired, the, the the last three episodes, of course, 
of this arc aired after the D squad. And that just kind of shows why, yeah, maybe at the time the D squad, you're like, get, get me to mall, get me to Mando's <laughs> and you can overlook D squad. So this is, this is me pro, uh, prepping, uh, you know, uh, propping up D squad, I should say, uh, and just highlights how big these episodes that we're talking about here today are. Yeah. Yeah. And I so loved watching back. Cause like, yeah, mea culpa. I, I, I did not get into the depth of the D squad and like, uh, Frogman is funny, but where is Maul? And now it's been great yeah. to go back and really appreciate, uh, what is so great about me, Gascon. And then also appreciate this arc that, uh, that I've always loved. Absolutely. All right. Four episodes, four morals. Let's dive into the morals. Uh, the first is strength in character can defeat strength in numbers. One vision can have many interpretations. Alliances can stall true intentions. And morality separates heroes from villains. Uh, which one of these is important to you? Which one of these works for baseball coaching? <laughs> all of them. And I, I don't I don't mean to make any kind of grim, um, jokey reference to news right now. But it, all four of these morals are headlines I'm seeing every day in the world right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and again, don't mean to be a grim, dark, dark, jokey guy there, but it, it's it's really powerful. Uh, the one that's jumping out to me, morality separates heroes from villains is one. I, I've almost literally quoted that to my parents recently in a political discussion. <laughs> I will say no more. Um, so that one particularly jumped out. And, and, and that being, you know, this morality tale that we know Star Wars is, uh, Mark Hamill's words are in my uh, ears from the Empire of Dreams uh, doc and so many other interviews. To, to just focus on that and to focus uh, on, uh, you know, we get it, we'll get to the mall and, and the Kenobi of it all. Uh, but that's a powerful one. And it's a powerful one because it's Star Wars in a tale of good and evil, light versus dark. What separates them? It's that line. That's morality line. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of these are uh, very potent and you could uh, relate them to, uh, I'm sure lots of us could relate them to uh, things going on in our personal lives and mm -hmm. definitely uh, the world. Um, I think the uh, the morality separates heroes from villains. When I first saw that one, I was like, it, it is so uh, simple and direct, but in a way I, I kind of like it because it's like mm -hmm. reminding you in the complexity to also bring it back to that that simplicity, right? Yeah, And I think that moment with Kenobi, I love how much it brings it back to simplicity of like, you know, Maul is caught up in sort of like hypocrisy and double dealing and lying and manipulation and just like, and thinks that, you know, he, he's got that cynical view that, that there isn't anybody who claims that they are a good person is lying and full of, you know, bleep. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And Kenobi sitting before him and you're going like, yeah, uh, of course I'm not going to break to the dark side. Like mm. that's my whole thing is don't do that <laughs> yeah. because, because it's wrong because it doesn't get you anything, you know? Mm. And just like that, that, that simplicity of how horrific Maul thinks like, ah, I will, I will, you know, bring pain down on you and then you'll break too. And Comey's just like, no, of course not. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what separates us. I love uh, what you're saying about this 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 kind of almost keep it simple, stupid type of approach, if you want to say a Star Wars kiss kiss here, uh, it, because it's easy to get so caught up. Like you said, cynicism, uh, what about ism or layers and shades of gray. We love our shades of gray and nuance is important to discussions and all that's there and all that's real and all that's present. But I just love that the, the purpose of Star Wars is to 
deal with all that, but toss it all off when you, when you're discussing these big things and take it down to these simple goals, the compassion, the hope, the empathy, all these things we, we hit on in almost every episode. And, and that's why this, uh, this morality tale, real, really a fine, uh, in focus morality tale in these episodes is, is important to the conversation. Yes to all that. Yes to these bigger conversations, but this is the line, your, your morals, your choices. Uh, this is what's important. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. So uh, with that, let's get into the the big themes. What ideas did you feel were at stake in this episode? How did you, or this arc rather, how did you break it down? Well, uh, not easily, I'll tell you. Uh, jokes <laughs> aside, not easily because there's so many uh, going on in this. The cost of vengeance and bad choices pops up to my head. Personal attachments. Uh, hey, that always pops up in Star Wars. <laughs> Kenobi faces, faces some big ones here. Uh, there, I even put down this idea of villains are heroes in their own stories. We hear that all the time, right? Mm. When it's a writing thing. Well, if you're crafting a good villain, he's got to believe he's a hero. And then you got Pre Vizsla pretty convinced that he's a hero and doing what is right. Uh, So loved all that power and greatest goals. But here's two that really stood out to me that uh, uh, just kind of uh, inspired me to, to, to take stuff from these episodes, but is uh, what is true weakness, which is something that pops up in Star Wars a lot. And then what is your breaking point? You're talking about the Kenobi stuff. We're going to get to that. And that comes up a lot, uh, the, the weakness one here. Well, a lot of people love throwing that around. You're weak. Satine's weak. We're all weak, but I'm strong. And what are you basing your strength on? That's a big Star Wars question. Mm, yeah, no, I really, really like that. I I, I think uh, kind of dovetailing that for me, I, I, at the end of the day, with all these different ideas, I really felt like there's this big picture that it's kind of, this arc is kind of an essay on the dark side, ultimately, and not just like ooh, the dark side of the force, but like what the dark side of the force represents. Right. Because uh, previous is not a force user, uh, but he is buying into the philosophy of the dark side. Right. Which is totally. all about strength. Right. And all about wanting power uh, and that uh, that wanting power. But ultimately, uh, that power is only for you mm. and it makes true connection impossible uh because you know both maul and previsla in particular and sidious um are really embracing this view of everything is conflict even alliances are just to get what you need Mm -hmm. uh and if everything is conflict then somebody always has to be the loser and i feel like what all ultimately happens in this arc is like Almost everybody loses, <laughs> yeah, uh, because they are tied to this, uh, you know, winner takes all zero sum game. Mm. Yeah, this essay in the dark side—it's a great way to look at it. And you got the underworld here, and, and just I love there's all these loyalties, especially the ones from Maul and Previsa. They're just built on sand, right? There's no foundations of honor, driven by greed. And I love that it begins uh, with this uh, moment with Savage being like, "Hey, brother." Share, share the glory? No. And then yes. it ends with Sidious being like, no, no rivals. And, I, and, and there's this bookend of, of, of this big lesson of, of the Sith and the dark side. It, yeah, it is absolutely a bookend with, with Maul saying, like, this is the way I want to see the world. And by the end, uh, you know, sad, truly sad that he lost his brother in that sad moment of like, I, I'm not like you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't quite have this hunger for domination the way you do. And then, you know, the tragedy of like, okay, if that's the way you want to see the world, uh, Maul, then that this is what the world is going to give you. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the essay on the dark side for me was kind of like, that's the big picture, but mm-hmm. like the very specific version 
of what's being talked about in, in dark side or morality is this idea of uh, dominance versus alliance, right? Mm. Like almost all the characters define their power uh, by dominating uh, one another, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And that they have to be on top either personally or their group has to be on top. And we see all these beats where they reject the strength that could come from truly working together, you know, as mm-hmm. equals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the idea of siblings is really important because uh, we see it both literally and metaphorically that it's, right. you know, Maul and Savage are siblings. Satine and Bo-Katan are siblings. Um, Hondo's shattered forces is, becomes kind of, you know, uh, mm-hmm. brothers against brothers. Um even the the sort of rejected alliance theme to me kind of uh, uh, gets tied up in the big picture Clone Wars story that the alliance between the Republic and the Jedi is just this ineffective, broken mess at this point. Yeah. Um, so there's all these ideas of dominance, all these ideas of alliances, maybe, but they fall apart. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it, it, so like some, for me, some of the examples of dominance, right? I, I love that. Savage just uses that key word in that scene you're talking about, right? Where he's like, yeah. there's no need for dominance between us. Like, he sees where this is going, right? Yeah. And Maul immediately demands to follow those rules of a dominant leader and a submissive follower. And then with Maul and Previsla, they both give lip service to Alliance. They both have mm-hmm. lots of reason. They, they're aligned on a ton of goals. <laughs> yeah. And they give lip service to be like, we want the same things. Great. But then they immediately both are, you know, telling their, their you know, number twos that they are seeking to dominate the other, you know? Yeah. Um, and Maul's got that great line of our combined strength will be rewarded while he's actively choking Bo-Katan. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. That's yeah. not good faith Alliance right there. No, and even Pri's got a look on his face. Like he, he, he's like, "All right, I'll wait. I'll wait it out." Wait, she's dying, and he's just like, "Yeah, okay, 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 keep going, keep going, keep going, keep yeah, going." Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he always says, "He says that there is only one plan, one vision, and uh, mm-hmm. it's not in this arc that uh, that Sidious and Maul uh, requote that about Sidious's vision, but that comes back later, right? This obsession mm-hmm. that there can be only one plan, one vision." Uh, and then it's fascinating to me the way Maul builds the Shadow Collective. Like, mm-hmm. he maybe could have done a little bit of, like, uh, you know, trading or I will, you know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's all built out of dominance, right? It's all th- yeah. th- threats of violence or, you know, in the case of beheading <laughs> lots yeah. of people, actual violence, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that tracks to, it, it, it ties together to with Death Watch, right? Because Pre Vizsla and the Death Watch want Mandalore to be defined as warriors. That's their whole thing. And there's that part of being a warrior that can absolutely be honorable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't feel like that's what the story of Death Watch is. It, mm-hmm. It's the story of the Death Watch wants warrior to mean not like we defend ourselves. Mm-hmm. They want to have conflict so that they can win. And they want right. to be the warriors in, in the way that they are uh, defined as people whose value comes from the defeat and dominance of others. Mm. Like, you know, previously says the name Mandalore should send fear into the hearts of these gangsters. You know, it's right. not about th- when, when the people of Mandalore hear the name death watch, they should feel safe. It's <laughs> other yeah. people should fear us. Right. Uh, yeah. And he clings to that, to the point of it's his, his last words of, like you said, only the strongest mm. shall rule. He doesn't have, I mean, it, that, that death, yeah. That fight and that death is pointless, right? It's yeah. just in service to worshiping at the altar of, of dominance is everything. 
Yeah, and, and and it's the undoing of all these characters time and time again. Again, going back to Maul's inability to just simply share the share the load with with Savage. It's this dark side dominates and destroys, dominates and destroys. Thirst for power, all part of his undoing in this this arc and and beyond. And this inability to change. I, I, remember last last week we talked about bluster versus confidence with old Mieber. Yes. <laughs> we got a lot of bluster, and Death Watch is a lot of bluster. And and we we've talked before with the Satine stuff, uh, and then the inability to change, grow, and adapt, uh, and being afraid of the new normal, which makes them more fearful than they want to admit. And 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 they project this uh, aura of strength that is, um, you know, uh, has some truth to it, just in their their capabilities, but is false, is false, and then they're beholden to this false idea of strength. Yeah, yeah, because I, I do really feel like I the the threat is manufactured. The threat is them, right? It's a mm-hmm. mini version of what yep. uh, Sidious's big Clone Wars plan is. Um, and previously, does express that like I just, I want Mandalore, uh, but but I really do take it of he wants Mandalore to go out and be a conquering planet again. Not that he just wants to be. Like, we'll use our strength to defend Mandalore. How do you feel about that? He says the name of Mandalore should send fear into the hearts of these gangsters. Yeah, he wants to restore this glory. I I, I think. Here's it. Even if Pre is like, nah, I just want kind of what we have here. Would he ever be satisfied with that? Would he ever just want to sit back, especially as the Empire comes about? No. So I think you're right. I think um, uh, it just the, the greed would, would continue to drive him forward as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then I love that Sidious really does bookend this, as, as you said, of not just literally bookending the conversation between uh, Savage, where he's like, could we be equals? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, could both of our names be above the title? And Maul's like, no, no. 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 Uh, that Sidious is the one who installed this in Maul, right? Uh, yeah. And it comes to remind him that there is only one true plan, and it's Sidious's. He doesn't literally say it this time, but it's pretty mm. pretty clear in that that final image is just about dominance, right? That it's mm. Maul on the ground, Sidious blasting him. Uh, uh, and behind them, there's that mural, a uh, great Cubist Picasso style that they introduced yeah. for Mandalore. It's a mural of Jedi and in uh, Mandalorians fighting, right? Like, so even yeah. the image behind them is about everything has to be about combat. Everything has to be about a winner and a loser. Mm. Yeah. And that vicious cycle, vicious yeah. cycle here. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I think the um, the attach some of the attachment stuff that they dabble with with Obi Wan. I feel like Obi Wan and Satine are the kind of the the in Bo Katan up to a point are the balance to this of of choosing something else. Right? Um, they both mm-hmm. kind of reject hate and anger. Obi Wan tries to have empathy for Maul with uh, "I've been to your village, yeah. and I know this wasn't your choice." And you know, Kenobi utterly rejects hate with his his great line of "You can kill me, but you will never destroy me." It takes strength to resist the dark side. Only the weak embrace it. And even after all that she's been through, trying to keep this uh in, this pacifist government that does defend itself uh going, and is you know her death is this brutal, ugly thing. Satine's last words are about love, right? Mm. You know, they're not about you know could you kill this guy for me? You know, there's nothing about it. That's yeah. about, it's not even trying to win an argument of like, I, you know, I was right. Your beard is, is not good. You should shave it. Like there's, I'm kind of joking, but it is powerful yeah. that like in all this darkness and all this dominance and competition, her last words are just, you know, love. Yeah. You got Maul saying things like submit or suffer. He seeks fortune and power. Uh, greed never fails to motivate all these truth. And, and, and Satine, there's great cost to her beliefs, right? And and this is this uh, idea uh, uh, that that pops up in other properties too, like Marvel for, specifically. Of what's a hero? It's, it's it's the person who's brave enough to do what's right no matter the cost. And I think she she has done that as best she can her entire life. 
uh, mistakes along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, you know, you can have those discussions go down to the base level of it. I love that. It's very telling that the final words are love. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, super powerful. Um, so you, you listed some different ways that you were framing it. Uh, is there any that, that you want to go deeper on? Uh, this, uh, uh, um, uh, we'll go into, so what is your breaking point? Uh, is, is a, is a, obviously specific to the, to maybe specific to the Kenobi stuff, but also, I don't know, that has to do with choices. Uh, Star Wars being about choices when you, when you are dealt a horrible hand. I, I think you're right. Maul is, it was dealt a horrible hand, uh, as a kid and given no choice. Kenobi says you had no choice. The nice sisters made that choice for you. So uh, at some point to me, he, he, he broke and he's not willing to change. He's not willing to seek healing. It's easier said than done. This is never meant to be uh, me saying quick answers to life here. Right. Um, but he just never looks to heal, to heal at all. It had never to process. It is uh, his journey is his cost of vengeance, and bad choice. So he's broken where uh, Kenobi uh, is here uh, to, to stand tall and he does what is right. He goes there, and you mentioned the the cracked relationship between the Republic and the Jedi really showing here. He goes there because it's right, not because it's advantageous to any other personal goal. He goes there because it's right. So therefore, I think that a stronger foundation for him to be built on uh, and why he doesn't break. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I think that uh, for me, the the idea that that you're tapping into that happens so many places in this arc is – we see all these characters choose not only like their breaking point, but like who they follow and why, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of what's happening is Maul in the Death Watch are, are putting pressure on people to, to uh, do they break and go along with the, the big vision, right, of the leader. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we see that right away with Maul, you know, trying to turn Hondo's uh, men against him, right? Um, and then uh, that works for a minute, but then they choose to go back to Hondo out of mercy, because Hondo says, yeah, I'm not going to kill you. And look, we have a reason to be together. We're pirates. We plunder. We love it. Let's go plunder, right? So he like, there's this, uh, you know, decision that they, that uh, there's so many uh, instances where people do things out of fear and then mm-hmm. somebody else offers them something else and they always go with the not fear option when they can, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Satine is, is it's a quick conversation, but I think it's really important that Satine, uh, you know, is clarifying her vision of leadership to Almec and Almec's got yeah. that, you know, he's no Sith Lord, but he's got the like, come on, everybody knows that nothing gets done without lying and cheating. And it's really mm-hmm. your fault for having morals that I did bad things. <laughs> kind of argument yeah. to Satine, you know, and Satine says peace exists only in the minds of the faithful, the people made willing sacrifices for their freedom. This real vision that no, mm-hmm. you got to be honest with people and they have to choose to follow you because they truly have faith in you and your government. So she's making this uh, great argument, you know, of uh, this is why I'm not going to break because this is, mm-hmm. this is what I believe in what leadership should be and why people should choose to follow me. You know, she's, yeah. she's got this great example of, of who you follow and why. No, that's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Example. I love that conversation with them too. Uh, it, it's pretty deep f- f- political philosophies there too, but you're right. No, a, a non-breaking point, uh, an example of that as well. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And and then obviously we see with Death Watch, their whole philosophy, like we've talked about, is ruling through lies and fears and the promise of mm. power and the promise of the restored glory that has been lost. You know, we are the Death Watch, descendants of the true warrior faith, all Mandalorians once knew, you know, our people were warriors, strong, feared. <laughs> so obviously yeah. that that's their whole thing. And they have no they they have warriors honor, but they have no problem lying to the people, <laughs> manipulating yeah. the people, uh, you know, killing people to get what they want. Um, 
But then there becomes this interesting split in Death Watch, right? Where some of them feel honor bound to follow the victor of combat because that's their whole philosophy. And then for Bo-Katan, that's a breaking point. Uh, yeah. To your great point of right, right? No outsider will ever rule Mandalore. Like obviously Bo-Katan believed that her sister's pacifist thing wasn't a thing because she yeah. was with Death Watch and she did some awful things. And mm-hmm. now she starts to change where she starts to maybe maybe through Maul, she starts to see what the Death Watch actually looks like, being able to see it from the outside via yeah. Maul. And uh, obviously that's a, a, a hung, a strongly uh, held conviction that no outsider will ever rule Mandalore. And it's really fun to hear that line now when they were heading to so much more <laughs> who should <laughs> rule Mandalore thought, yeah. storytelling, right? Yeah. Can a foundling, Bo? Can you, do you think a, a foundling can do that? Uh, what about a baby Yoda? Can a baby Yoda ever <laughs> rule Mandalore? Yeah, uh, for sure. Um and I thought it really that that what when do you break does really make sense for Kenobi and, and who do you follow and why, right? Mm-hmm. I think Obi-Wan breaks from following the Jedi in the Republic on this, uh, possibly, at least partially, to help a friend who is calling for help and is in true trouble. But this isn't just a like, uh, my kind of girlfriend needs me, right? Yeah, this is an important planet. Uh, you know the the detail in this this arc that reminding you of like not only are they a neutral planet, the two thousand other neutral planets might mm. listen to Mandalore and might, yeah. you know, exert their mm. power. Uh, there, like the Mandalore is important uh, to the galaxy, and Kenobi has been clear in his intuition that something is stirring in the underworld. That they've got to yeah. easy reign when we're busy with the war and. Bad things are happening. Important things are happening. He makes that argument to the Jedi and the Republic, you know, via Palpatine. So I feel like his going there is is about Satine, but it's also about like this is a real problem, and everybody else that I believe in is turning their back on it. So screw it. I'm going to pull an Anakin <laughs> and take his uh, his broken ship out there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I love I love what you're saying there. Uh, this uh, I put down this note of you know a simple note of just neutrality is, is keeping Mandalore from getting the help they need from the Republic in the situation and this these weird uh, lines that are are drawn political lines if you will uh, and how Kenobi just sees past that again this idea of I got to be brave enough to do what is right and and um, you know that that spurs him on this this moment of rebellion that is is uh, in Obi Wan I don't even think is rebellion I think it's just simply doing what is right and i'm not i'm not pointing my yeah. finger back at bat at, at mason caddy mundy and and yoda it's just the, the the situation they are in the reality of what they got themselves into as the jedi order absolutely yeah i mean i think it is showing you know yeah the 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 success of maul's plan of like if if, if the jedi don't know i'm involved they will think it's an internal matter and like yeah the jedi philosophy is understandable on that of like yeah, no, if a planet has a civil war, um, we should we insert ourselves in that? Because it's them deciding their own direction. And should we go in and pick a side and basically be like, you know, nation building? Like, uh, so that, mm-hmm. that philosophy, not knowing that um, that Maul is, invi- is involved, is like, that's mm-hmm. a great, you can see why the Jedi believe that, right? Yeah. Um, but it's just all this manipulation and then all the red tape that's been built up in the... Yeah. In the Republic. I love that Yoda's like, well, we should ask Republican. Everyone's like, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, sure. All right. Hear back from you in two years. Right. Yeah. Um, and I thought the line was significant. It's set up as a just kind of a, a cool entry line. And when uh, when Kenobi's in his uh, uh, Maldalorian uh, Death Watch armor disguise and he, he comes to Satine's cell 
uh, and she says something about you, you come here to do your master's bidding and he takes off the helmet and says, I do my own bidding. It can just sound like, oh, that, that that's a cool, great entry line. But it's also like, that's a pretty powerful statement for mm-hmm. Obi-Wan about I made this choice because I thought it was right. And normally mm-hmm. I really follow all of the procedures and I don't do anything without, you know, the um, approval of the council and the Republic. But in this case, I'm making my own choice. I absolutely love it. And it's, I almost kick this back to you as, as a question, as, as, a, as a Kenobi fan as you are, as, as I am, and we are here at Force Center. I love these moments for Kenobi. I love all the moments with Satine. We talked a little bit on our journey with Kenobi episode last week of of this idea. Uh, you know, when I learned he, he, I was like Anakin when I learned he had a, you know, something with Satine, whatever it was, because he's, he's the poster child. Uh, I just love everything about Kenobi in this moment. It makes him more real. It makes him uh, more understandable at times. And, 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 and I have so much more connection and empathy to him than I think I did before. Going, I'm going back to 2013 now as mm. well. I love that it was him. You know, even if you're looking at it from the simple point of view, maybe you can say it was just simply for, for love. It's not. It's a lot more than that. It's like you, like you're just discussing there. As a, as a Kenobi fan, this is one of my favorite Kenobi moments. Him pulling off that mask and being like, hey, now I, I'm the one going outside of the order, so to speak, to be here. I loved it. It's a big victory for him. Yeah. Even though it's, yeah. Even though it's a big defeat. <laughs> it, it is ultimately a defeat. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah that uh, obviously, you know, I'm kind of joking saying he pulled in Anakin, but also like his master Qui-Gon did this from time to time, too, of like. I believe in the Jedi. I believe in the Republic. I believe in democracy. I believe sometimes they make mistakes and I need to follow, you know, the spirit of, mm-hmm. of who I am rather than get tied up in, in red tape. And normally Obi-Wan is a like red tape sucks, but what are you going to do guy? Yeah. <laughs> so to see him make this choice of being like, this is a time where it's really wrong. There's no reason for me not to help her. And I think the Republic and the Jedi are wrong to not be doing anything about these uh, crime out of control mm-hmm. crime lords. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, you know, look back when we get the whole, we know the whole story, we know the ending, but you're sitting there with Palpatine and he's like, that mall guy's back? Ah, that can't be anything. <laughs> he's nothing. He's nothing. He's nothing. Yeah. Like this, it, it's fun to imagine Sidious almost slipping, like, I'll take care of it. You, you, you know what I mean? I'm politically. <laughs> And then it's like Sidious is like his old work buddies show up. And he's like, God, I can't believe that guy's back. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Pete's good. He's good. Yeah, Pete's fine. We'll take care of it. He's nothing to be. He's nothing to be afraid of. Uh, there was also for me this uh, this interesting uh, theme of numbers. Um, yeah, it, yeah, obviously it's pointed out in that first moral about strength of numbers versus strength in characters, but it really tracks throughout it. Of you know, in the beginning, Maul's obsessed with having you know numbers. Uh, large enough to uh, to resist being hunted by the Jedi. Um, there's multiple reminders of the rule of two. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it comes into play when Maul is truly intrigued by Mandalore because it influences the 2,000 neutral systems and it, it's even the possibility of competing mm-hmm. against the Republic and the Separatists. Everything is kind of... Uh, I, think it, it, I think in a way it's tapping into that prequel theme that it's so important to Lucas is about greed, about mm-hmm. always wanting more, Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and and all the conflicts that, that you end up in uh, mm. when that is your obsession. Mm. Mm. There's a lot going on here, man. It sure <laughs> is. Sorry, I'm sure not full, I just is. like, just take it in and just even going just uh, at one point doing my notes and, you know, we roll up our sleeves and we try to be uh, as best uh, Star Wars pundits as we can. I, at, during, uh, during the lawless, I at one point just remember put down my, my keyboard. It was like, I just kind of want to watch this. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of scenes that I rewatched. Uh, you know, he's like, okay, I'm going to watch this once with kind of a critical eye or, you know, mm-hmm. what's my favorite action moment? And he's like, now I'm just going to watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so good. Everything's good. Um, one of kind of final just uh, ideas in here that I like is uh, we talked a lot about the the dominance versus alliance. And mm-hmm. there, there are these moments where, where uh, people almost could have connected, right? It's there with Maul and Savage of could they have been brothers? Could they have been equals? And what would that have been like? Obviously, right. uh, the, the revelation that uh, Bo-Katan and uh, Satine are, are siblings and they, they are realigning, but it's probably too late. That's heartbreaking. Uh, the Republic yeah. not functioning is heartbreaking. But for me, there's also this, when, when Pre Vizsla is explaining to Maul what Death Watch is, Mm. And I think Maul is savvy enough that he hears, oh, I, I see what they want and here's how I can manipulate them. Here's how we're aligned. He has to also hear that that Pre Vizsla is basically describing Maul, right? Like that mm. the, the story of Maul and Pre Vizsla or Maul and the Death Watch are, hey, once we were powerful and feared, that's mm-hmm. what you should be. That's the goal in life to be powerful and feared. Everything's about domination and we should be on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we were rejected from our true place, Maul from the Sith, Previsla from Mandalore. We were mm-hmm. kicked out. And now we are eager to reclaim our rightful spot as we should have always had. They're like, they mm-hmm. could have actually like commiserated over some beers. And Maul kind of pretends that's what he's doing, but he's just like, ah. I hear you are exactly like me and I will use that to break you. <laughs> it's uh, this is fascinating and you're so right that's a great breakdown of what they are in the relationship and I, I have a weird real world example from my past that I, I won't go too far down into but I had two friends who hated each other and I remember telling both of them you are each other. <laughs> like why can't you see that you're both the same good and bad like uh, you, you but you both want to attack each other so I to your question I wonder if they're both so blinded by their own, uh, you know, I don't even say arrogance, but just their own beans that they can't, they can't see it. And that if they could see it, maybe they would make better decisions or different decisions. <laughs> you know, maybe they're going to be like, if Maul was like, hey, you're making some mistakes that ring true to me. You want to talk about this? You know, obviously it's not going to happen. It's Star Wars, the Sith, it's a different tale. This isn't a what if plot hole type of question for me. But it's no. Just, I just think, yeah, I think, I think, I think they don't see it. And that's, that makes it even more uh, uh, tragic that their losses and Pre's, you know, and I'm not saying Pre's the the best guy in the world, but his death was meaningless. It, it, to your point of of, of why they're fighting, ah, that's a great question. Ah, love to have Maul here to ask him. Yeah, no, I mean, I love that Maul's just real casual. I didn't, I don't think I wrote the line down, but to Savage, like, eh, it's no problem. He believes in honor, so that'll get him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's a warrior who believes in honor. So, like, oh, uh, yeah, that difference is a is a weak point uh, from Maul's mm-hmm. perspective. I I love it. That great line from all of your noble flaw is a weakness shared by you and your duchess. You should have chosen the dark side, Master Jedi. Like, yeah, the, again, this idea of constantly what is weakness, what is strength, and it comes up a lot in Star Wars. Comes up a lot in Clone Wars, and it, it should. It's an it's an important question. Uh, yeah, and and honor, and what kind of honor? And it's just being like, oh yeah, they oh they got honor. I can use that. That's that's great stuff. Bad yeah. stuff, but good stuff. Yeah. So a lot of great stuff in in these manipulations these misconnections but i think pulling it back to that big picture i think that it's those kind of ideas that really make me feel like this is an essay on the dark side right if like okay i believe in being uh powerful and dominant now i need allies who also believe in being powerful and dominant 
Uh, can we see how that's eventually not going to be in a good alliance at some point? Because if mm. the only thing that unites you is we both believe in being powerful and dominant, uh, well, then, you know, it's the, the, the whole thing is that mm. interaction between Maul and Savage are like, could we be brothers? No. Because <laughs> yeah. we share this philosophy that somebody always has to be the winner. So if you're in a relationship with somebody who always has to be the winner, eventually they're going to want to beat you yeah. at something. It, yeah, it, to, 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 uh, this essay uh, uh, quote, uh, or quote the, the essay thought you have. I, I love it. It's 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 a pamphlet on why not to choose, why not you know why you shouldn't choose the Sith, why you shouldn't choose the dark side. Is what I'm trying to say. Like that. Yeah. You know, so you've decided to be a Sith. Here's here's why you shouldn't. Because um, <laughs> that's kind of where it ends up, and we know it's going. Even City is barking out. There is no mercy. It's just real dark stuff, and. And and you put that up against the uh, you know Kenobi not breaking. Uh, I know what side I would try to choose, even if it's difficult. Yeah, yeah, and, and I love that through all of this, I had to look it up to be reminded that uh, previously gets that scar from Count Dooku. So like, yes, <laughs> uh, and he, he he doesn't trust Maul. He knows that he, he plans to you know betray Maul from the beginning. But it's like, how did yeah. this go for you last time, dude? Anyway, yeah. Um, how do, do you do? You want to talk about the how the uh, big ideas related to larger story morality of Star Wars? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Go for it. There, I, I, a lot of mine just uh, comes back to kind of what we were talking about it, it, around the Sith, and, and it's a big statement on that. And and just Sith, sell, Sith, Sith selling the wrong things as strength is is, is a true Star Wars story. <laughs> Lies, yeah. a Star Wars story. Um, <laughs> but also uh, how it ends, and, and and a lot of good Sith stuff here. This being the first time Sidious emerges in the flesh in the show, not hologram that that you mentioned up top. Uh, that's pretty. Um, interesting but kenobi has this great quote to uh, sheave the sith are persistent they will not die saying this to the man who will not die who will not let, <laughs> let go so uh, yeah so uh, to the big star wars picture some big comments on the sith and the dark side yeah no i mean you can cut right from there to somehow palpatine has returned right <laughs> yeah 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 I, I think for me just as we've tracked um the story of the clone wars of uh, you know it starts with the jedi sort of um uh, trying to see it as defense, right? We're trying to stop this Sith Lord Count Dooku and he's launching attacks against the Republic planet. So mm. let's defend. It's our responsibility to stop a Sith Lord. Uh, Got to fight in the Outer Rims. Uh, we can end this fast. Oh, it's now getting to season four and the Republic and Jedi are invading Umbara and fighting with the Umbarans who don't want them there, you know? And just this ongoing story of of Sidious's plan of the the dark side is closing in and that the war is just kind of, uh, unraveling the Jedi, right? That that mm-hmm. Obi Wan is expressing, like, yeah, the the crime families are running wild, and just that that Palpatine now has the Jedi and the Republic so tied up in good intentions and red tape that helping people is extremely difficult for the Jedi to do. Yeah, yeah. No, well, yeah, well said on on the slide of uh, watching the slide of the Jedi this far into the Clone <laughs> War, you know. Yeah, yeah, because the the next arc coming up for the Jedi is 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 not great for the Jedi. It's um, not good. <laughs> No, no. Uh, the other big picture thing that was interesting to me is that um, we obviously had some all episodes before this as he he was uh, brought back to to life and to health and did a little bit of rampaging and fighting Kenobi. But this is where we really get into the mall that we know mm. of, um, obviously full of hate and anger, but that slick voice and even a little bit of a kind of wry sarcasm. Uh, yeah. And I just find it really interesting that Maul is trying to be Palpatine right like he is trying mm. to play a big chess game and uh you know maneuver around things and 
there's a there's some long term planning, there's some manipulation, but he relies on brute force a lot, mm. uh, it, particularly to build his alliance. And I think it that's why it doesn't work. And, and Palpatine's mm. big plan to take over the galaxy, there's obviously some brute force and some dominance and all that. But his big picture plan works because he tricks people into handing over their power willingly. And like, yes, the contrast between how Palpatine gets Anakin to hand over his power, gets uh, uh, the Jedi to kind of hand over some of their power during the Clone Wars, you know, totally Mm -hmm. gets the government to hand him uh, the power and just get citizens to cheer when it becomes the Empire. You know, picture that in contrast to Maul just being like, hey, Black Sun, (laughs) I cut your heads off. Now you're going to join me. Cool. Great. Uh, In that the brute force is not as successful as the slow manipulation and the long-term planning. Yeah, which is... uh not to, it's not a comment on, on Maul's level of intelligence, so I kind of don't carry feels on that kind of stuff. Bad guy, bad guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's 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 why Palpatine's a phantom menace of it all, right? It's the danger, and it's the bluster versus confidence. Unfortunately, she's real confident in his abilities, yeah. where Maul's over here dancing uh, with this uh, hole in his soul, this vengeance. Uh, and you said we're getting back to the position that he lost, and then, of course, he clearly blames Kenobi for all that, but even before that blames the Jedi that it was even in there. Yeah. It's just a different kind of approach. And one is certainly more dangerous than star Wars, I think is uh, commenting on that here. Why uh, Palpatine is, it's almost like two gnats. He has to wipe, uh, wipe away off the window. That's uh, blocking his view. And, and he has to go handle this. Um, and he's in full control, unfortunately for the galaxy. Yeah. And I think that's, there, it's, it's thrilling and horrible. Um, but I think there is this, like I'm, I'm slowly pulling the strings and eh, this is a problem where he's like, you know what? I think a quick application of just brute force, mm. I think it'll, I think that's what's called for here. <laughs> you yeah. know, it, it just, uh, obviously he's evil. Uh, and I, I enjoy him as an evil character, but yeah. just like the thrill of like, I just been quietly pulling strings for a while. And this is the one time I can just kick ass. Let's go. Let's do it. Get me a ship, Masamita. <laughs> Masamita, I'm getting kind of bored. Can you give me a ship? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> any other uh, big picture thoughts before we take our break no no so much there that's not just us saying that it's just these episodes are so deep uh i love them love celebrating more to come yeah we could we could just do an entire episode about all the mandalore uh ramifications we'll talk about it a little bit in canon but that's so huge too with the mm. big chunk of the the story of mandalore uh in these in these arcs uh but for now we're going to take a break and we are going to be back to discuss some of our favorite action moments comedy moments canon moments all kind of stuff like that in just a moment hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And we are back to continue our discussion of the great Season 5 Clone Wars arc, Maul Takes Mandalore, for a moment, I guess. (laughs) Maul takes and loses Mandalore, kind of. Anyway, uh, let's get into some of our favorite moments, Ken. Uh, Obviously, there's so much action uh, in this arc. Big, big set-piece scene after set-piece scene. What were some of your favorite uh, moments uh, within these big set-pieces? Man, there's so many. I'm going back to the first episode revival and it seems it truly does seem like a different not arc but different time. <laughs> Hondo who has some sort of sense of uh, maybe the moral high ground here, you know, he's uniting his people in one shared goal. Um but Kenobi versus Maul, I always highlight this one. They they cross blades here. And mm-hmm. I think it's forgotten in the bigger picture of the Star Wars story. They do it uh, well later in the story but this is kind of the first time. Uh, and then you got Savage uh, brutally ki- kidding, uh, killing uh, uh, 80, uh, 80 Gallia. I, I love that whole sequence. And it's and it's a reminder of just the, these four episodes are so big and bold that this kind of mini rematch is just just a warm up act. And it's a great little fight. Yeah, no, it is. It is great. That first encounter, even before they're trapped in Hondo's uh, lair there. Mm-hmm. Um, Savage's head stab of Adi Gallia, right? Um, mm. To just... It, 
we, we definitely see Jedi die like the Jedi. I'm going to die. Um, but Adi Gallia is this great canon thing of, you know, hey, where did she go? Where does Stas right. Ali come in? You know, um, so that was fun. But we spent a little bit of time with the character. So you have some emotional investment in, you know, that kind of Star Wars character of like, hey, I remember her action figure coming out. Hey, I remember, I think, getting to play her in, in you know, video games in the mm. year 2000. Uh, so she, for me, she has a little bit of weight and the, the savage head stab with the horns of like, these are just, mm. these aren't just ornamental. Mm. <laughs> this is a really dangerous headbutt, And then obviously finishes her off with the lightsaber, but it's just, it's brutal. Uh, it really is. It really is. And we had the episode recently uh, on Star Wars talking about when Star Wars gets edgy. Uh, we, we could just point to this like Leo DiCaprio in a meme. Uh, it, it re- there's edgy. a lot of it, a lot of it edgy. <laughs> I know that edgy. I know that edgy. Uh, Yep, yep, there's the edgy. That's where Adi Gallia dies. It's it's rough. Um yeah, and then going forward to the that fight that they have uh in the ruins of Hondo's base. I always think of this one and I'm, I sometimes like where does that fall in in all of this? Uh, so it's great to reconnect to it, but I've always loved this one uh because can, this is such a great example of Kenobi as, you know, a great fighter, but also clever and sly and being the one who's like, you all think you're fighting this kind of battle, but I'm fighting this battle. And, mm. you know, the like, he's he's definitely trying to take it to him. He's definitely in it. But that leg kick to Savage of being like, <sighs> you're, you're not you are not seeing what I'm obviously doing, which is kicking you and kicking you and kicking you in the same place that I believe Adi Gallia already kicked you. <laughs> yeah. Tried to, find, uh, yeah. to break you down. He just, you know, the, the, the fighting smart and fighting sly mm. is so great. And then that, obviously it's a, uh, it, it is edgy, but just the smoking ruin of Savage's <laughs> arm where you just, you see the bone, like it's, it's like yeah. a, you know, a, a cartoon character dreaming of ham, you know, it's like, it's so <laughs> gross. <laughs> Such a good reference. Deep Hanna-Barbera cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then that knee kick is brutal. And then, you know, Kenobi uh, taking off a limb, add that to his uh, resume. Yeah. But uh, great stuff there. Great stuff. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love the, the, yeah, the smoke and green thing. It just, you forget that that's kind of what those characters are, are built on, you know, the mall and, and Sauvage uh, angle of it all. Love that stuff. Yeah, that Night Sister Icker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Billowing out. It's really, really uh, gross and weird. I love it. Uh, what are some other action moments for you going forward? Jumping to, uh, the second episode of the arc here. I mean, we got to highlight, and I, I was doing some of the trivia gala, gallery research too. Of uh, there is a, a more brutal version out there that I I have not really seen. I don't own the DVDs, but Savage's multiple head chop of the Black Sun. <laughs> yes. It's it's one of those moments again. We talk about when Star Wars is edgy and what people mean by that, and and blah blah blah. And we want a little bit of silliness, and there's some great comedy all through these episodes too. I will point out, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, man. That's just one of those like. And then you press the X button twice. This happens, and you fist pump. It it, it was uh you know, and no no love lost on the on the brutal Black Sun guys, anyways. But yeah, that was a, that was a big moment. That is that one's so great. There are a lot of moments in the middle of the arc where once Maul has established the you know master apprentice dominance relationship like one of the ways he shows it is he doesn't you know break a sweat doing things he lets savage do it right oh uh, yeah there's mm-hmm. a bunch of moments where he's like savage will you uh you know um so i love that maul's like okay do it and he ducks down yeah <laughs> and then ducks back up after their heads are gone it's so great yeah no absolutely and it yeah it's truly uh you know it, savage is the brute squad that maul brings out here yeah. And I think for me, some of it that is, you know, uh, uh, enjoyable from a storytelling uh, point of view of the action is um, 
the the Sith and and characters like Maul and Savage are built up to be terrifying and powerful. And sometimes you're watching being like, why don't they just do this? And I like the moments where like they cut loose with their full power, right? Of like, mm. yeah, these Black Sun guys, they they can't step to Savage, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think just that kind of that uh that action that supports what the character is is really cool. Uh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, and and uh, yeah, the edgy coolness of it all, but yeah, you're right, absolutely, yeah, uh, yeah, and then uh, for me, I'm moving into that third episode, um, that whole bounty hunters versus Mandalorians versus uh, Savage mm. and all that. There's a million, a million little moments in there that are great, and mm. uh, but you know, my love of Embo, so I love it when Embo and Savage are fighting, and Embo is. Uh, he uses his hat a lot of different ways, but he's using his shield as Savage is just punching away. <laughs> and I love that nice, uh, I love that uh, uh, Marak the Anuba, uh, you know, attacks yeah. Maul, but I love that nice envy of their escaping. And Marak's like, ooh, got to pick up Embo's hat. <laughs> it's so cute. It's almost a TikTok pet video quality there. Pick up oh, dad's hat. Yeah. Are you a Kyozo bounty hunter? Has your Anuba picked up your hat? Yeah. <laughs> It's happened to us all. Uh, what are some? Uh, I don't want to rush you past the second episode if you got more there, but no, 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 I, no, no. It seemed to be more yeah, the third episode. No, I, yeah, no. Embo popping up was great, and and not that I, again, it's one of those things where I didn't forget it, but then you just kind of, especially with this new eye, it all pops up. I know your excitement for Embo all the time, but just that whole crew which you got to spend time with, and I even like them kind of run away, and Maul's just like, nah, they're bounty hunters. They, they, we don't, they, they, don't worry about them. But I just, I just, it's a real fun, crazy sequence. I even like Sugi's uh, knife throw uh, that doesn't quite go anywhere because the force uh, oh, stops it. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's a great a, beat. Yeah, it's a great little beat. And it's a, I dare I say, it's a fun little team. <laughs> I'm not oh. saying I want to spin off with them, but uh, it's fun to see them. It's a, it's a best of uh, Clone Wars bounty hunters. Uh, yeah. Or uh, I guess uh, some people would debate that. It's a really interesting team up of, uh, of bounty hunters. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Um, any other beats in that, uh, big, uh, bounty hunter fight? No, no. Uh, I was going to highlight the, the hat by, uh, by, uh, Embo's, uh, Embo's, uh, pooch there, so to speak. But I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, I think from there I'll go to the, uh, the, the fight that made the largest impact on me as a, as a fan in some ways, cause uh, I keep talking about just being shocked that it was there and it was that cool. Uh, the mall pre Vizsla fight, mm. man. That whole thing is amazing, but I, I I think I think what I really like about it is the um, there's great speed. Uh, it's really punishing. You really feel it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of variety in all the different ways that Previsla kind of tries to attack Maul. Uh, but I think I really love that Maul is like, yeah, and I'm going to beat you without using the Force. The only way he ever uses the Force is to call the lightsaber to his hand, right? Other than that, he's like, I'm going to beat you with the force tied behind my back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right, because it does go, yeah, it gets to the fisticuffs, uh, it gets to a lot of those uh, physical actions. Uh, I do like that a lot. It's a great fight, especially, you know, you look at the the season seven fight with Ahsoka Maul with the kind of newer technologies, a little yeah. bit more performance capture. This is this really sets that up. Uh, you know, uh, they still have a little ways to go with te- technology, but it's it's... Season and season five had their new technology was in. The, the, this is the new designs for Palpatine, new design for for Yoda to best uh, bring in the new technology for the animation. So lots going on here. And this this in its own way is a beautiful fight, as brutal as it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you know if I had to pick out one little moment, I do really like. Uh, I, I like the little blades cutting Maul's face. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, 
and kind of laughing at it. Uh, and I love, uh, I love the elbow exchange. You know, I think, I think, uh, previously elbows him relatively early. And then at another point, Maul blocks it. Like I'm onto that now. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then Maul elbows him. There's great stuff going on. There's a lot of storytelling in the fight. A lot of storytelling. I also just love seeing pre use kind of the, uh, Kind of the old anti Jedi tricks from uh, Mandalore's yeah. history in his last fight with with Maul. You, you, you kind of see uh, the why they held their own in that fight, even though they may may eventually have lost. And this goes to stuff later with Kanan and Sabine and, and you know all that stuff of uh, of uh, her trying to uh, scrimmage with him. So I just like seeing that on display. Yeah, he's just got like overwhelms Maul with all these different weapons. You never know mm-hmm. what's coming out next, and kind of switches back from sort of the the jetpack uh, Mando from above attack to the down in his face with the dark saber. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. great stuff. Uh, what are some other moments for you? Uh, there, uh, you know, is it in that fight? Remind me. I put it in my notes in the th- third episode, but now I'm doubting where it was. There's a great shot where Maul ignites his lightsaber, not the dark saber, but the the red blade, and he ignites it with a roar. And it's also yeah. with the sound effect is everything. It's a great little beat and just uh, the the anger uh, just kind of uh, coursing through his veins and coming out in that moment. I, I really like that little beat. Yeah. There's a lot of great beats, a lot of great shots, though. The way everything is structured with Maul uh, cutting Previsla's head off. Um, mm-hmm. I paused it and tried to find his head, um, but I think... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that, again too. There's a, there's apparently a, I don't I've never owned those DVDs. Sorry if, if everyone's I guess is common knowledge, but I guess there is a version with his head rolling. <laughs> like, okay, like you know, like like it like it would. Yeah, no, I mean I I understand trying to find the balance of of what this show is. Um, it's a great interview I saw. Uh, just randomly saw YouTube offered it to me. Of uh, I think it's a Conan O'Brien show, like mm-hmm. in a live like big theater uh, with Lucas. Lucas is promoting the Clone Wars and and Conan O'Brien's kind of joking around with him. He's like, so it's kind of for kids. And Lucas's like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. definitely, you know, it's definitely helping kids grow up and learn things. And he's like, yeah, but, but then there's a lot of violence. And then Lucas is like, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> it's like there from the maker. That's the, you know, that's the tension of the Clone Wars. Uh, and yeah. it was definitely here. But it, yeah, it kind of cracked me up because like I totally understand uh, trying to keep it, you know, uh, safe for kids. It's already brutal. There's already yeah. teeth flying. Uh, but if you pause right after the the chop and you see his his headless body and it's like, did his head like roll under the sofa? Where'd it go? <laughs> Yeah, no, no look, I, I think uh, even uh, we'll discuss them for Satine's death, uh, obviously, but like, I, there's something to be said about artistically showing some of that violence. It's it's e- e- even more effective for me. Absolutely. Um, I think uh, in the final episode, uh, there's so much great man- Mandalorian fighting, but I really liked uh, Bo-Katan's uh, legwork when she's rescuing Kenobi. Uh, she Ooh, yeah. knees the one guy, she chokes another in the crook of her leg. It's It's all cool. And then, you know, it attaches, you know, rockets and <laughs> rope and it's all good, but I, I really like her, her legwork. Oh yeah. She's got some MMA fighting skills. Indeed that behind the knee <laughs> chokehold was pretty darn cool. You know, I'm not uh, trying to put any uh, pressure on uh, Katie or a stunt performer, but wouldn't mind seeing stuff like that in Mandalorian season three, if she's going to be there. Ooh, yeah. I would really like that too. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, any, any moments, uh, other moments for you? I wanted to, uh, this is uh, one of the weird ones, but the crash of the twilight is pretty cinematic and action film, 
we talk about a lot of ships landing and flying. This was a ship crashing, a, a beloved ship with Anakin, with a great uh, uh, Anakin as a young pod racer decal in it now. I uh, love that little detail. Uh, but the crash of the Twilight, man, it, it was it was intense. Yeah, yeah, no, a huge explosion, knocking Kenobi flat. I love the the uh, debris kind of landed on Satine and Kenobi mm-hmm. using last of his strength to push it away. Like, yeah, you, there it is very much like, hey, kids, do you remember this ship? It's gone now. Gone. <laughs> yeah. Gone. It's really gone. It's, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, last thing for me is, of course, Sidious's massive assault. And, like, yeah. uh, that is just, um, it's just kind of a jaw-dropping moment to me. And I think it is one of those, like, again i have that emotional relationship to it because i feel like if uh if some of the fans my age who are grumpy about the prequels you know could see that they they would be so into it <laughs> um, yeah and obviously people who grew up with the prequels loved it too it's just such a it's such a rare moment and it feels so earned uh because mm. it does tie into we're close to wrapping up palpatine's plot and you get that sense right um yeah. It's it's the bookend. It, it delivers the theme. It's not just there to be cool, but it absolutely bookends. Like, hey, Maul, you chose a life of just domination, just apprentice or the master. We're here, your master's back, and he's going to show you what real domination is. It's yeah. it's the tragedy of Savage Press. So there's so much going on in it, uh, but it's also just like, yeah, it's so cool and great to see unstoppable Darth Sidious, Chief Palpatine, just cut loose. Well, I even put one of my favorite action moments is his arrival. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Just going down that ramp, which, by the way, is a return of the Jedi kid to see that it's like a different walk down the ramp there. Um, yeah, the camera kind of tilting and the, mm, the, his his mm. his theme banging. It's it's a little pro wrestling moment. Indeed. He's entering the ring here <laughs> uh, and, and, and a lot of little beats in there that he does. I, I love the double window smash, which is also when he's like talking about the, you know, your arrival. Um, just to see his. Talk about the prequel era and everything like that. It, this is all very purposeful. You're right. There's so much theme going on in these moments. But yeah, as a prequel, as a prequel era uh, fan, you know, struggling to come to terms with those movies, you know, I do love, uh, you know, are you threatening me, Master Jedi, when they go to arrest him and all, you know, the corkscrew of doom that he has there. <laughs> it, it just was a lot of fun to see this on display in a way. You know, I, you and I always talk about the tension of loving Palpatine but not rooting for Palpatine. I do mm-hmm. think we need these moments of villainy, even the the. The newsreel or uh, newsreel has a line about uh, villainy swells. Well, here's the <laughs> here's the big tidal wave of villainy. So it all it was really effective and and it created a Star Wars fan to watch then and now. Yeah, and just really dynamic, really well done. Um, and the the backwards double lightsaber oh, stab of Savage yeah. Press is both cool and you know brutal. You know, and it, it's sad. And Savage Press is a tragic character mm-hmm. and. Um, it does make sense that Sidious would just take him out because he doesn't need him. He needs Maul. Um, but also just like the move of that, it it feels like you earned, you know, a bunch of bunch of points in a video game and you get to do your real showboating move. Like, yes, it, it feels like, you know, it feels like Sidious is like uh, he could have a Batman monologue of like from this uh, position, there are seven different ways for me to kill Savage Press. <laughs> I'm going to go with the fancy showboating one, like double blade behind my back. <laughs> well, he's cackling. He also blocked from behind his back a little beat before that. And then the kill, it's like, what? And even there's a, there's a moment prior to that where there's like, there's a, like a sigh from Sheev. I don't know how to read it. Like it was yeah. real great. It was kind of like also like ah, this is great or ah, I still have to get it. It was just it was a it's a lot going on with Sheev. Good old Sidious in these moments. 
Yeah. So great. So great. Uh, any other action moments for you? I was trying to think. I did. Oh, I did mark down. You mentioned uh, in your in your uh, your summary actually about the the Savage and Maul escape from prison easily. It's because Savage breaks him out with a window shattering force surge, which <laughs> is almost like you talked about uh, very well about. Hey, you bring you know we're bringing Savage out. We're not pressing the 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 the, the X button until we need to. I was you almost will look over and be like, were you just wait? Could you have done that the whole time? Like, why are we even waiting in here? Just waiting for the conversation to finish. Like, it was, it was yeah, so I mean, great. I guess the other big theme of this uh, arc is the uh, Mandalorian prison is useless. Uh, the yeah. only person it can contain is Almec, and yeah. not even him. Ultimately, he talks <laughs> to the end of it. But yeah, no, I love that. Just like that's 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 cute. You locked us up, and like the yeah. Uh, the yeah hurling that Mandalorian uh, guard. Yeah, yeah. great, so good. great stuff. Uh, from hurling Mandalorian guards, we'll move on to moments of comedy, whimsy, weirdness. Uh, yeah, for for a really uh, dark arc with a lot of tragedy, there is a ton of comedy in this. Where did you go? I first of all, we got a warning. Ton of Hondo quotes probably coming. There's some yeah. great Quando, uh, Quando Hondo stuff. But even before that, I love. There's a little bit uh, when they when they go to that uh, space station and they're and looking for the credits and everything. Savage is just stomping and tossing everything around the space station like an upset kid. It was just something I love. Like, did you need to do that? I don't know, but he's so angry. I love that. And then so much comedy with the warehouse supervisor, who is also the best yeah. Coen Brothers character, not in one of their movies. So <laughs> many great, just that draw, all done by the two crabbiest Zabricks just out of the hide. It's just so much fun stuff with it. Uh, that's such a great call. Yeah, I just uh, rewatched a Barton Fink recently. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. warehouse owner is well played, but definitely, definitely could be a John Goodman character. Um, uh, the the Fink. line that I, I I would try not to write them all down, but I love that. Do me a favor, uh, spark up that lightsaber, would you? It's so it's so awesome. Uh, it's so weird in a wonderful way, and and, and I think it's so. Uh, looking back at the Clone Wars. And, and there's some uh, weird choices of voices in the movies. This we know some some deserve to be talked about on a little more serious level. But but there's also some wild choices. I I I I think my first go around with the Clone Wars, I wasn't always on board with a lot of the weird wild choices, which might have fed into some of my, my Mieber Gascon dislike uh, eons ago. This guy, I don't know if I loved this character back in the day. Because what is it? But now, just like I can hear that line over and over and over again. Do me a favor, spark up that lots ever like what? So funny. <laughs> it just, the, you know, it, it, the overall vibe between the animation and the voice comes off of just like, I'm just trying to get through my day, you know? And yeah. My droids are gone. They took my money. I, did you, was it Jedi? What, what's the deal? Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like uh, the, it's a very straightforward joke, but I liked it acknowledging the truth of uh, Adi Galia saying, you know this Hondo personally and Kenobi saying, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and then there's a, there's I got uh, there's a lot of great Hondo. So uh, unless you got anything else, let's go to Hondo Town. No, it's it's time for Hondo. Yeah. So what do you got for Hondo? Um, just even from the beginning, just the line "Trader scum." I'm so proud. Just always the through line there with Hondo, <laughs> which explains too why he would be like, eh, "Let's stop fighting." I, I, you, you guys, I'm proud of your decision. It didn't work out. Come back, come back to my side. Yeah, come back to my side. Um, mm. I-, I loved all his outrage, but the, who are these horny-headed maniacs? <laughs> uh, that line shouldn't work, but it does because mm. the acting is so good. Who are these horny-headed maniacs? Yeah, yeah. Uh, love that. Yeah, greetings. What kind of menace have you brought to my planet now? Just the banter between him yeah. and Kenobi is always great. 
Um, I loved uh, his uh, his Quackian monkey lizard. Uh, it goes back and forth. This one is Pilf. I looked up Pilf mm. Muck Muck, uh, but I hmm. love just that great animation joke of uh, Pilf Muck Muck uh, pawing through Kenobi's hologram. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's just so like that's what yeah you know, what a cat would do. Like is this is this guy here? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I also loved uh, that great moment of kind of segueing from tragedy to comedy when Kenobi tells him that uh, that Adi Gali has died and Honda's like they are too powerful even for you I am semi-speechless <laughs> <laughs> I put that down too because it is I don't it, it's done in such a way and Hondo's such a great character I don't feel it undercuts the death we get to live in that moment Kenobi gets to live in that moment but then we the story picks right back up with that line and I do like that yeah, it's a, just a great uh, transition of like Hondo is actually affected by it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it, and it does show the growth of their relationship a little bit. Of like he he does you know consider mm-hmm. Kenobi a force to be reckoned with, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I think I got one more Hondo line. We might have the same one. So what else do you have for Hondo? <laughs> is it a line that also is a, a subtle Pirates of the Caribbean reference? It's, uh, it's- not that I'm aware of. So please, uh, it's uh, it's the insolence line. Oh, yes. <laughs> we are pirates. We don't even know what that means. Uh, apparently, this is, I wouldn't have picked it up because it's a great line, but it's its a little callback to Pirates of the Caribbean and, and Barbosa not admitting to not speaking uh, all the words, so not understanding all the words being spoke to him. Uh, I don't oh, understand. that's great. Yeah. That's yeah. such um, a great line. Yeah, because there's also one of the, the, remember we were reading in some of the notes, uh, uh, Kira Knightley's character is, is in one of the designs too for some of the characters. It's it's a weird, it's a weird obsession with Pirates of the, the, Pirates of the Caribbean movie. It's it's uh, hilarious. It was very popular when it came out. It shocked yeah. everybody by being, you know, good. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, because mm-hmm. there's all that like, oh, they're making a movie of a ride. Like, oh, oh wait, that was yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I'm sure there are many different strong opinions about it these days, but uh, that yeah. was... Uh, what I experienced at the time, um, I really, really loved <laughs> uh, Kenobi having a line that like, oh, that's a great line uh, mm. because it acknowledges it. And it's kind of funny of um, Hondo being like, I'm sure they died in the crash. And Kenobi's like, oh, I cut one of them in half once and he survived. <laughs> and then Hondo, Hondo being totally disinterested and saying, well, isn't that interesting? <laughs> it's, it's such a great subversion because it is actually extremely interesting that one yeah. of them survived being cut in half. <laughs> the fact yeah. that Hondo's like, uh, I'm on to other things. I'm barely yeah. listening to you. Yeah. I yeah. don't want to hear that story, Kenobi. Like, it's so funny. Again, I, I think I've, my first go around, I think I really, I, I not think, I know I really underappreciated and undervalued Hondo, but I'm here for the Hondo party now. Yeah. The Hond- Hondo's comedy is, uh, is great. The lines are great. It, it's next level uh, actor delivery mm-hmm. uh, to really make the the comedy pop. Uh, the comedy savvy performer, yeah. um, but also just it's fun to see his his arc all holds together uh, really well. We talked about a lot with the gathering arc. Um, so uh, moving on from Hondo to you know those other three episodes, I don't have <laughs> as much. No, <laughs> uh, but what do you got? I think Maul's line to uh, the hut that he kills is uh, oh. really great. So the only thing that you can tell me is that I will find Jabba at Jabba's palace. It's it's a really <laughs> fun moment. Maul's got some humor. That, that you know, I, I haven't been tracking enough, but if we were going to do a ranked best comedy lines in Clone Wars, that mm. one would be up there for me. Because, yeah. you know, there's a lot where Maul is kind of wry and villainous, and but that's just directly hilarious and you don't mm. quite hear it coming and it's even funnier for surprising you yeah absolutely uh you mentioned this line already i wrote it down as a joke one uh because every once in a while the narrator cracks me up of starting 
one of the uh, recaps with villainy swells. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great line. Almost a T. Sounds like a medical condition, yeah. right? <laughs> totally. Uh, the uh, the welcome to Mandalore droid with the smiley face that gets shot yeah. in the smiley face. Tragic, but funny. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, what and what else you got? Uh, going to where they go to Jabba's palace. There's a great little uh, you know when, when all the criminal in the world shows up there. They're fighting. It, I mean, it's I put comedy with a question mark, but that that Gamorrean guard slowly and I mean slowly <laughs> stomping toward a Death Watch member with his uh, axe uh, held high and he gets killed. It's hilarious, but it's also hilarious to then see. The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett Gamorrean guards and the different takes on the Gamorrean guards over the year, over the years, and how this this take and this episode, uh, you got those two kind of sleeping at the front door, and, and they're also slow and they're very big and bulky. It, it, it this is like the Kenner toy version of the Gamorrean guards. <laughs> yep. So, love that. Yeah, I feel like after this, there's that the maybe the Gamorrean guards got a talking to of like we <laughs> yeah. need to re up our uh, our training mm-hmm. regimen. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a tragic moment for this Gamorrean guard, but very slow. Very funny. Yeah, slow, funny moment uh, of tragedy. Uh, last one for me is I, I did like the Obi-Wan comedy of uh, the the Twilight just sputtering and sparking and Obi-Wan saying, oh, Anakin, that's the last time I borrow a ship from you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a funny line. It's a very Obi-Wan line, uh, grumpy, uh, but also just like makes it really clear. Like, yep, no, uh, Obi-Wan went to Anakin and said, hey, I'm doing something. Maybe I shouldn't. Don't worry about it. Can I take your ship? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see that that follow up yeah. conversation. Yep. Uh, yeah, and then it it uh, it doesn't make it back. Uh, anything else, or should we move on to canon? Uh, only one other thing. This is I wouldn't say this is intentionally done for comedy, and it's done in the spirit of what's going on, the plan that they're putting out, where the Death Watch is quote saving the day. I love when they open the storage container, and the guy's like, "Thank you, you have my thanks, soldier." And he goes, "We're Death Watch. We're here to rescue." And then he goes, "You have my thanks, soldier." He goes, "No, thank Pre Vizsla." It's so comic book cheesy. Like, why would that? Why would that guard fall for it? But of course he would. He just got saved. I, I just really love that moment. It's really, it was really well done. Yeah, there's that one moment where Savage kind of like after he's been fake defeated has that kind of little little half smile of like, <laughs> yeah, the idiots are falling for it. It's great. Yeah, absolutely love that. Um, so there is a ton going on in in our section where we talk about canon lore, connection to other stories. But I, I just I, I wanted to start with. Um, in memoriam, uh, because mm. there are just so many kind of uh, named characters that die, right? Uh, mm. Adi Galia, um, Aruba the Hut, uh, mm. Pre Vizsla, big character, uh, the Spice Freighter Twilight they were talking about, uh, yes. Duchess Satine, Savajo Press. These are, uh, you know, characters who have made a mark in the prequel era, in the Clone Wars, uh, you know, some of them larger than others. Obviously, Aruba mm. the Hut is a... Uh, you know, there's a kind of role. Everybody has a Star Wars tattoo of someone. So maybe there's an Aruba the Hut <laughs> <laughs> tattoo out there. Uh, but how do you feel about just um, the number of deaths? Does it feel like we're wrapping this era up and there's these characters who don't make it and we're entering that phase of this storytelling? Yeah, I think and I don't think it was it's certainly not a checklist. Right. But they're aware of that stuff. They're aware of, of the time period they're playing. And even remember, we as fans still had some of these questions. Uh, the big question oh, hanging over head was Ahsoka, right? And we're going to get that answer soon. But even like Adi Galia is a, a great Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones, Phantom Menace kind of trivia question of of, of the, the difference there with Stas Ali. So there's that stuff. But I I I do I do like it in the sense of they 
They knew they had to do something with these characters. They knew they had to kind of clear the decks, but they do it in such a powerful and poignant way. Just, uh, you know, storytellers and, and, and creators knowing what they're doing and being confident in what they're doing and uh, perhaps confident all along. And we know, no, we know, we know what these characters in this story mean. Uh, and we know the questions you have about their fate. And, and it all pays off in some really powerful moments. I mean, just the Satine death alone is just heart wrenching and it's epic and it's, it's, it's so cinematic. And, you know, just to get that from uh, 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 this this show that was kind of playing with this un, uh, uncharted area of the story. I, I think it's all great. Yeah. I mean, all in all, she doesn't have that much screen time, right? We mm-hmm. have the arc where we um, meet her. Uh, we have the arc uh, where Olmec is causing all sorts of problems on Mandalore, and she interacts with both Padme and Ahsoka. Great stuff The um, then we have this arc. Then we have lots of little moments where she is in the background. The, the, mm-hmm. the horrible tragedy when Obi-Wan faked his death and she's at the funeral. Right. <laughs> and I really want to have ever heard that follow-up conversation where Obi-Wan has a holocaust. <laughs> it's like, so I made some choices. Yeah. Um, and how she feels uh, about that. So, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, not a ton of time, but such an influence, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, there there are fans who are so invested in the the relationship, the romance. Um, you know, there are, are weddings uh, that have been affiliated uh, or not affiliated. Um, you know, saying of uh, the weddings have been conducted yeah. uh, by the actors who played Obi Wan and Satine. Like it's this character and her relationship with Obi Wan made a big impact. Absolutely did. And with good reason, such a good character and such a powerful uh, character. But again, it's this big character, even with small screen time, like you said, a big character in this time period. So it's like those questions of, well, what happened and where? And then, and this payoff, um, it's really impactful, really impactful. Yeah. And I, I think for me, like, obviously her relationship with Kenobi, it tells us a lot about Kenobi, but herself as a character, mm-hmm. um, and the, it, it, I love that she is fascinating, even if she didn't have a relationship with Kenobi, right? Correct. That, that she is in that vein of, of Padme and other Queens of Naboo and other rulers that we've met of, uh, in books and comics of who is really trying to do the right thing, trying to find a, a means of, of government that is noble and, and walking this incredibly difficult path and to see that this character is you know um i think almost always coded as correct making the correct choice right Mm -hmm. um and her her death is is falling obviously it's maul and his vengeance but it it is also death watch just you know just not being willing to give the idea of pacifism a chance you know yeah and and her it's so important that she has that conversation with Almec to be like, you know, you, we, the, this noble road is really difficult, but we have to take awesome. it. And she doesn't, you know, ever veer away from it. Yeah. No, it, it's look, it's, uh, it's part of the tragic, uh, nature of the, the clone war itself, but yeah, you give, give Satine and Padme, uh, Mon Mothma, give them the keys to the castle. Galaxy would have turned out a lot better. Yeah, exactly. Any other uh, deaths or uh, in the in the case of Twilight Destructions that you wanted to focus on? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but rest in peace, Savage Press, the name that oddly enough still is not high on my list of favorite Star Wars <laughs> names, but yet just is it, it is what it is and, and accepted. And again, a tragic life indeed. Yeah. A name that uh, that bold, uh, having that much tragedy is is yeah. a, it's a, it's a special time in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, so I, I liked early on that uh, a lot of citizens of the galaxy uh, 
we're very confused thinking Maul and the Press are Jedi with red blades, right? right. We get that from the warehouse owner. We, uh, we're trying to get, uh, we get some clarity from Hondo. Other people do know uh, once they're told Sith, but I thought that was interesting that like, this is this era where people are well aware of Jedi. And they're like, hey, I saw some Jedi with red blades. And the Jedi are like, uh, no, uh, no, not Jedi. How did you feel about this uh, ignorance of the Sith? No, I, lo- I love it. It's a, it's, a, it's a detail that you need there. And this is what, as much as we want the themes and the stories, we love these little canon details. And I know uh, one of my favorites is still uh, the fact that Wedge wasn't at Scarif, and, but yet he was on the VO, you know, like, and it's like he had a day off. He wasn't flying that day. And they know they need to. And that's, we Star Wars fans love that stuff. So even that detail alone, but also just speaks to this state of the galaxy and this true, uh, you know, unseen menace that that's uh, never went away, but is now slowly uh, emerging. I love that. Yeah, no, I mean, I can see uh, uh, baby, uh, well, he wouldn't have even been alive yet, I don't think, but Bo- you can see Beaumont Kin being like, these, <laughs> these people were real and not many people study them. <laughs> yeah, not people know, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, also wanted to note that team of bounty hunters that the Huts had hired, uh, we got Embo, we got Young Dengar, uh, Lats Razzi, and Sugi. Uh, who pops up a couple places, but is introduced in the great episode Bounty Hunters uh, riffing on Seven Samurai. How did you feel about that collection of bounty hunters? Uh, uh, it's wonderfully random to show up there and they're hiding and they're waiting and Jabba's got them on retainer, I would think. Um, and then they get their butts kicked and they run away. Uh, it's so Clone Wars. You talk, it's like it's like a homage to the stories that have come on the Clone Wars, the bounty hunter stuff. Uh, it's they're, all those characters, even young Dengar, are so... Clone Wars cartoon. So I love them kind of showing up and having their place in this big story. Yeah. And I like the, the, that you can absolutely infer like, yeah, the huts are very aware that, that mall's coming. Yeah. But I like the idea of like, anytime they have a council meeting, they've got bounty hunters tucked under the desk. Exactly. Just waiting, (laughs) just waiting. Just crouch down there. It's cool. Um, Hondo discusses in episode one, uh, the events of the gathering arc that there's now separatist control of Florum, uh, that the Jedi failed to stop that from happening, uh, that, uh, Grievous destroyed Hondo's fleet and base, uh, which is great when you watch these in chronology, yeah. extremely confusing when you watch them in broadcast order. Yeah. This is a, one of the last moments of kind of really confusing. If you watch it in broadcast order, how, how do you feel about that? Uh, that. I was reading some notes on on this too, and that uh, George and Dave both felt the uh, uh, revival was the great way to start season five, and I don't disagree with that at all, uh, especially where this whole series and season ends up. So I think it's great. But yeah, David, there's a line of because if we had had more time, we would have fixed the other episodes. It just would have been more in a line. Whether or not that means the other three go before their other stories, but they just they would have taken care of that. So they were aware. They were aware, but hey, that's kind of a Star Wars slash George trait, right? Yeah, we there's mm-hmm. going to be some conflict, but for the better, uh, for the story, for the sake of the story is what we're going to do here. And so I kind of respect that. Yeah, and, it, and it's a fascinating insight that they want to start the season with a bang, right? Yeah, that's a great one. It's a great one there. Yeah, and and um, yeah, and it, you know, obviously popped up a few times in Clone Wars, which is why we're having a lot of fun doing the chronological rewatch. Um, but uh, this this one... Yeah, it, it it does stand out, especially with the little details of the base and everything, Hondo's base. Yeah, yeah, being destroyed and him referencing it, and yeah. Well, and and Eddie Gallia is alive. <laughs> and- right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, and there's just so much Hondo, various Hondo interactions, like if Anakin going to get uh, the, the to buy the stuff off of him for the Andron arc, and you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, of course, uh, if you're a big Clone Wars fan, this kind of infamous uh, line. 
in uh, the first episode as well, where uh, Ian Abercrombie is voicing uh, Palpatine. And then there's the one line from Tim Curry. Of course, we know that Ian Abercrombie tragically passed on. The final episode in the arc, The Lawless, has the in memory of Ian Abercrombie. He's absolutely great. Uh, but we do have the they're just petty crooks uh, from mm-hmm. Tim Curry. Did you do you? Did you hear that when you watched it the first time? Or is that something that like once you knew about it, you listened for it? It's only once I, I knew about it. Also, back in 2013, I didn't have headphones on when I was watching it, but I had headphones on. And it it literally sounds like someone you recorded on an iPhone. <laughs> you know, like it it's totally different. Curry ends up, you know, doing a great job in the time that he had the character before Whitworth comes and everything. So these are two talented performers. But uh, yeah, it, 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 in headphones, it was it was jarring. Yeah, no, this is, it was definitely, um, yeah, it, it was definitely like a, you or I uh, needed to drop in a line in the podcast and we just got some other person with <laughs> yeah. a vaguely similar voice. Like, it's very different. Yeah, it's, it's very, very different. different. Yeah, but uh, all props to Ian Abercrombie. Amazing, amazing job as mm. Palpatine and lots of uh, other great performances across mm-hmm. the years. Um, this uh, arc is uh, Black Sun's premiere in, in what is, you know, now, current modern screen canon um obviously uh, they made a big splash with uh, shadows of the empire black sun uh in the feline uh how did you feel about seeing them do you want my answer now or 2013 <laughs> <laughs> i assume 2013 mm, there was some negativity there was a big god no from me <laughs> uh you know look i have a complicated relationship with the eu and i don't mean disrespect anyone and shadows empire was big and i played the game too but no prince zizor Zizor. i didn't know no i was i just rejected it flatly chop all their heads off um <laughs> now i get it it's fun uh there's so many more things to worry about in star wars and life uh so no uh no cantankerous feelings about them now yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a similar journey for me, so we'll leave it there. Um, I had forgot that not only does Corky show up, but showing the passage of time, we have uh, uh, what people today would say, glow up Corky. <laughs> uh, the cheekbones and that jawline's coming in, and it's, yeah. a, it's a damn Corky moment from when I saw him. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about glow up Corky? I love it. Well, that, and his friends too, right? They're all from that yeah. episode, right? And then they all have that shot of of it's like watching season four of stranger things versus season one right they all have the moment they're like hey it's great yeah that the, some of those images just came out today as we're recording of the stranger yeah. things who are now 36 it looks like you know <laughs> that's so funny uh, i loved corky coming back it was absolutely great mm-hmm. um there are a couple lines we we track these because the clone wars uh show started out with lots of quoting of existing lines and then yeah. that dropped off quite a bit but there were a few in here um maul has his a uh, i sense a presence a presence i haven't felt since master um when palpatine is coming which is of course similar to vader sensing kenobi in a new hope uh and then obi-wan has the line to bo-katan your Satine sister aren't you i'm so sorry which has a very very similar vibe to me of anakin is the father isn't he in Revenge oh, of the Sith. Yeah. Totally. Like, that's totally. just like a thing that Obi-Wan does is like, uh, you know, and it's <laughs> yeah. the joke of Columbus, like, uh, one more thing that, like, yeah. sometimes this is just how Obi-Wan leaves the room. Like, I sense one of the most heartbreaking things, truths about your life, and I just mm. throw it over my shoulder as I leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not much more I can say. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But mm. an effective and powerful moment. Uh, yeah. 
uh, did, were you okay with those callbacks? Did, did you feel like, did you like those better than, you know, uh, somebody saying I've got a bad feeling about this again? Um, and I enjoy that as well. No, I, I, I really liked them. The mall one was interesting to me because it's so direct. It's so there. The other one's a great Kenobi moment. You're right uh, to point that out. But the other one is just like, you, you can't help but think of it. And, and there's a little uh, poetry, though it's not Vader uh, sensing his Sith master of course but just the relationship to those that train you those that guide you your mentors the connections and what that means and what that uh, the fear can bring and the uh, who knows anger anxiety all the thoughts through vader's head during that time so i actually really love the use of it it was really effective yeah and that heartbreaking master like mm-hmm. like the fear and the desire to return and the hatred like it's just there's it's it's really well done mm-hmm. uh so in this uh in this arc and many others, but it just really occurred to me, uh, Mandalorians blast one another right and left. Mm. Uh, do you have headcanon or concern about, you know, the fact that Din Djarin and Boba Fett's armor, their best guard, seems to withstand more blaster fire than uh, a lot of uh, Mandalorians in in these? I ju- just Mando's nowhere to shoot Mando's. You know, no one gets under <laughs> your skin like if someone, you know, you know so well or love so much. You know, I, I think maybe it's that. Um, little things there, little things that again, but hey, for the service of the story more than the, the canon is something we hear a lot. And even Favreau. Uh, talking about and we, you and I were covering the art of Mando season two and just saying, yeah, no, I know some of the stuff. I voiced the characters. I know, I, I know I took my mask off. I know pre took the mask off. I wanted to explore <laughs> this. And so that's a bigger concept, but uh, I can, I can make those leaps if I need to. Yeah. I, I think for me, it, it doesn't bother me. It's interesting. This is that kind of thing of like, well, that's fun to ask yourself, well, okay, why, you know, is, is there, mm-hmm. you know, is there, are there different kinds of Beskar? Is this about knowing the vulnerability? You know, right. there's right. lots of interesting stories to be had there for me the same way that, yeah, this, this group of Mandalorians don't take their helmet off. That's not, uh, you know, a conflict. That's a fascinating story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my very, very favorite things is uh, Two Saber Sidious, right? Because not only is it cool, it's it it's the the revenge of the Sith, you know, lightsaber logic that he loses mm. one blade in the fight with Mace, but then he still has one for his fight with Yoda. So he's like, how many does he have? Well, at least two. Right. Right. And I got to tell you, that's not a detail I've really ever paid too much attention until this episode. And also specifically just researching this episode. It's like, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You would have two. Okay. It's just that makes me, sense. It's just for me yet another reminder of like, you know, things that could be like logic problems. Like, obviously, that's a logic problem. It has nothing to do with emotion, right? You right, don't right. need, for me, I don't need a scene in Revenge of the Sith where he's like, Commander Kagi, uh, search the streets of Coruscant <laughs> for my blade. Like, I don't need that to explain how he got it back. And instead, it opens up the perfectly logical explanation that he has two. And because of it, we get this amazing scene. It's a gift. What could be, you know, a logic problem or a ding for doing something quote unquote wrong instead is a gift. Mm -hmm. I I agree with that. And, uh, and I'm I'm not saying I'm a hero for not getting caught up in that stuff. I just sometimes don't pay attention to those little details because I'm (laughs) over here going, ah, ah, so cool. Uh, And and I love it. So then it pays off even doubly uh, more for me. A great moment. Great answer. Just kind of cool, man. 
So cool. Good yeah. old Two Saber City. Uh, two, two more things. Uh, I, I, I had forgot that I knew that the term, the full term Sansana Spice had been used before, but having heard it so recently in Book of Boba Fett, it was uh, fun to hear that just spoken aloud in the Clone mm-hmm. Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, obviously, uh, Sidious at the end of this arc is he is torturing Maul, saying he's not going to kill him. I have other uses for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, sets up the events that are in the comic book story at Darth Maul son of Dathomir, right? Yeah, and we are going to be taking a look at that here on Clone Wars Report uh, soon enough after we finish the episode runs, because uh, it's, it's a great little arc. Um, it's from the Dark Horse days, the Dark Horse comic run, and they kept that in canon because of its, uh, obviously, direct connection to the Clone Wars and the scripts that, that almost would have been and could have been. Yeah, and it, it is. There's a ton that happens in it. For me, I'm, I'm really glad that it exists. It, it does feel like a, a tragedy that it uh, did not <laughs> yeah. uh, get to be uh, an actual full-blown Clone Wars episode. But there's just like, it, it, there's a lot of big, big ideas that get resolved in state of, you know, mm. state of galaxy stuff. So anyway, uh, yeah. love that. And I'm looking forward to discussing it. Uh, was there any other canon stuff that you picked up on or, or read in behind the scenes that you'd yeah. like to touch on? No, the only thing I, I noted here is uh, it's one of those Kenobi character moments when he lands and, uh, you know, he ends up, uh, first he's kind of dressed as Rick Hardeen, then, oh, yeah, my, my, my landing permits up here, come with come with me, and he, he ends up uh, knocking the, the Mando out and taking that outfit. I, I just thought of him saying there are alternatives to fighting, to Solo. And uh, him, uh, everyone going undercover in, in New Hope. I just, uh, I wonder if... Uh, that's the rest of the conversation we didn't hear of Kenobi going, there are all alternatives to fighting. Let's get them up there. Let's take their outfits. Trust me, I've done this before. <laughs> yeah, no, there is a pretty direct connection, not only to the philosophy, but the actual action. There are all yeah. alternatives to fighting. Uh, stealing clothes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's a great Kenobi moment and, yeah. uh, and a great look. Uh, was there anything in this arc that you disliked or questioned or wrestled with uh, besides uh, back in the day, uh, the uh, the Black Sun characters? <laughs> <laughs> Some of that stuff back in the day and the voices that I didn't like as much then as I, and I love them now. Uh, no, no. I, I think the only thing it's like, uh, I get it. They did. They just, it's so you, you mentioned it's kind of tragic. It, it's so. Uh, fortunate that some of the episodes they had planned uh, couldn't uh, come to fruition uh, and some later. Even you know, this is the last regular season of the Clone Wars, right? I mean, we, we don't get yeah. much after the six is season six is lost episodes. Season seven is a proper season, but but in a different time, obviously. So there's just some about this. This one ends. I was thinking this this was like a movie when I was sitting down to do the second round of notes. And, so, you know, it's a, we got a basically two hour movie. It ends on such an open beat because it was supposed to. Uh, mm-hmm. I, so I don't dislike or question it, but I was, you know, if they had known, if they had had any indication where they, where they wrapped it up any differently, would it would have been a five episode arc. I would have lo- loved that as well. So it's just lost to time. There's no going back, but that's the only thing the episode that the credits rolled on the fourth one. And I kind of was like, more, one more. Yeah. Yeah. I would love, I know, uh, I, I think you're wise to say, you know, we can't go back in time and I'm super glad that the, the comic book exists to fill in the storytelling, but yeah. man, would I just love them too to yeah. make that arc because it, it, it's so tantalizing when it ends with like, I have another use for you dot, yeah. dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think very good, very good to say. Uh, I think for me, I just wanted to acknowledge um, uh, Satine's death, right? Mm. Um, I think it is important to question deaths like this because it can become uh, such a trope uh, when a, a woman dies uh, to further a man's story. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I've ever heard 
uh, that discussion. Um, I, I don't know if it's there or not. Uh, I don't know if people feel strongly about that. Um, but I always, whenever I see a beat like that, I like to, for myself, ask, um, is this just a trope um, mm-hmm. or is there more to it? And um, I have uh, incredible respect for any opinion about this and I'm happy to hear people's takes. I think for me, I think it really works because obviously it does uh, impact Kenobi, mm. but it is her story, right? That um, she fights so hard for pacifism and that is just always mm. going to be undermined at every turn. It's just, it, it feels like it's a, to me, it's about her journey because this noble road that she tries to to, mm. to walk is extremely difficult and it's always undermined by people like Maul who need mm. to make everything about a domination and revenge and and fear. So I I think for me the fact that this arc and her death is in service to her staying true to her ideals uh, makes it uh, for me uh, you know a, a good story beat. Um, yeah. But but I also just w- really want to be aware that that's a that's a trope and that I think those kind of moments should be questioned to me, made yeah. sure that they're not being used uh, cheaply or disrespectfully. Oh yeah, no. That's I think every conversation. Uh, if you if you're creating going forward, you need to have that with yourself for those on your teams. I think it's very valuable and it's easy to look back. This is only ten years ago, but I don't think this stuff was as uh, questioned as much. It was just uh, unfortunately suffered uh, uh, more. And now we get to have more open dialogue about it. I think it's tremendously valuable uh, to look at it that way. I think this is, remains a pretty powerful one. Uh, I don't. You're right. I don't think she sacrifices anything about herself other than her life at the cost of everything. Um, but again, uh, that's part of uh, the brave journey she takes. So it works. It does further Kenobi as well. But yeah, it's all part of it. It's very complete to me, but sad, tragic. And I'm okay with a good, sad, sad tragic death when done right. Yeah, yeah. Very sad, very tragic death. And, uh, you know, I love that there's uh, plenty of room to tell stories, uh, certainly of uh, Satine and Kenobi meeting, uh, mm-hmm. other encounters they might have had during the Clone Wars. Uh, but there's also just tons of room to, to tell other Satine stories. And, and she is definitely a character high on my list of I, I would love some more uh, Satine stories. A lot of blank space, space on the canvas, indeed. Yeah. So is there anything uh, that we have not talked about that you wanted to touch on in this great big arc? Man, we hit all of it, man. We hit all of it from Hondo <laughs> jokes all the way up to the big deaths in action. This uh, this is absolutely uh, it's it's one of the best arcs for a reason, right? It's not overhyped. Yeah. It is what it is. It's great. Yeah. So then all that's left to talk about is the toys. Hmm. If you could have a figure or any kind of merch from this episode, who or what do you want? There's so many things to choose from. I could make so many jokes. You could have Embo, Embo losing his helmet plush, you know, get, have his, uh, his little pooch get his, his, uh, his, his plush hat. But uh, there's only one choice for me, and it's uh, almost out of respect to you being a Super Kenobi fan. We need a, a Maldalorian Kenobi. <laughs> yes, we do. That's my only yeah. answer. Give us that. In every size. That was the only answer I wrote down. Uh, some, I could throw some joke ones out there about, yeah. you know, you, you get a, get an action set of all the different people who lost uh, limbs or heads. Uh, that would be an expansive set. But the, the truth is what I really want in all sizes is Obi-Wan Kenobi in Moldalorian Death Watch disguise with yeah. a movable helmet and everything. It's such a, it's such a cool mm. <laughs> and uh, specific Kenobi look. I would love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. That's the answer. Yeah, that is the answer. So next up, uh, the end of Season 5, Episode 17 through 20, uh, Ahsoka's Big Choice. Uh, obviously, 
some big things in that arc too. So we can't wait to dive in. Ken, what should the moral of this episode of our podcast be? Oh man, there's so many things to go on here, but a a true uh, podcast uh, finds itself making brave choices to not sacrifice what it is. Be who you are. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what that means. Uh, I think it's good advice. I was inspired. I was inspired. Uh, You want to let people know where they can find us? Uh, absolutely, everybody. We are the Four Center Podcast feed. You can find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We are on Instagram and YouTube as well. Like our Facebook page, Four Center Podcast. You can get an audio book on, uh, on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Four Center. Get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Four Center. You can follow me at Ken Napsock or go to my website, kennapsock.com, to link to all the other silly things I do. And Joseph, where can they go to find your stuff? You can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshot, and you can check out all of my other comedy adventures on my website, josephscrimshot.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Two Saber Sidious, this has been the Clone Wars Report. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.